welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today with me, I have a returning guest, Mike Matthews, the owner and operator of Legion Athletics, which is the supplement company that actually sponsors this podcast, and he is the author of many books, and that is what we're going to talk about today. We dive into his new book that is literally releasing within a week of this airing, so you can actually order it now, and all the links for that will be in the podcast description, but you can keep listening to learn more about what this book is all about. The book is called Muscle for Life, which is, uh, I'm actually surprised that he finally is just coming out with a product called this, because that was his original blog, his original podcast, um, that was his original content hub name. And so now he's finally putting together a book for it. And it's primarily geared towards people who need to get into fitness. So if you're somebody who maybe isn't as advanced as some of the other listeners, maybe you uh, are a little bit intimidated by the gym, you don't know how to do barbell movements, or you just need to lose your first 20 pounds, or maybe you're even coaching somebody who fits into one of these categories. You are who this book is literally written for. And it's a prequel to Bigger, leaner, stronger, and beyond bigger, leaner, stronger, or thinner, leaner, stronger for the female version. So we're going to dive into the book. We're going to talk a little bit about every single section and and how this book came about. We're also going to dive into the difference between beginners versus advanced athletes, as well as young versus old athletes or people training in the gym, and really just kind of break down how to get into fitness in the smartest, most intelligent, and simple stress-free way possible. So once again, the book is called Muscle for Life. You can check that out at muscleforlifebook.com. You can follow Mike on Instagram at muscleforlifefitness, and you can follow me at Cody McBroom. Make sure that you share this podcast if you enjoyed listening to it so we can thank you and share it on our stories as well. Now, without any further ado, let's talk to the one and only Mike Matthews. All right, man. I'm not even going to attempt to count how many times we've had you on the podcast because this has got to be Got to be at least the fifth time. So you're a returning yeah, guest. I, I think it's fewer than 10. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely fewer than 10, but you're up there uh, as the uh, highest returning guest um, of all. So this is uh, this is always exciting though, man. I always love talking to you. I always learn something personally as a business owner, and I know the audience always takes away a ton because we share so many commonalities and align so well with so much of our content together. So this is going to be good, but you uh, just recently dropped a book, and that's what we're really going to dive into today. So I'm excited about this, and um, I was excited to get my copy a little bit early and be able to start like funneling through it and everything. And, uh, it, it's always impresses me that you're able to keep producing so much written content and even just outside of the books, but also the content on your website. It's something that I respect and appreciate a lot because so much of what content has become today is, is trying to be, um, shorter, faster, repurposed. And, you know, if you can create long form content, in my opinion, it just shows your expertise as an authority 10 times more, which is why we still put out a lot of blogs and podcasts and things like that. Um, but man, I'm excited to dive into the new book. So if you want to, uh, kind of start by telling us the title of the book and then we can kind of start funneling through it. I'm not going to get into your background because you've been on here so many times. People should know by now who you are and what your story is, but we'll link those episodes in the description for the, for you guys listening who haven't heard those initial three or four podcasts with Mike, uh, as well as my podcast on his show. Um, but man, what is the new book? Fill us in. Uh, yeah. So first off, thanks for having me back uh, again. I, I really appreciate it. And I totally agree with you on the, on the content creation point. Uh, I think repurposing is smart, but uh, I, I have always done it kind of the other way around. And uh, I guess than, than how many people, what you just mentioned is trying to, trying to start with 
maybe something that is a tweet or whatever, or just really trying to trying to create tweets and then trying to figure out how do you mash a bunch of tweets up into an article? Yeah, it doesn't really work like that. Uh, but the other way around can work can work well, where if, if you're starting with longer form content, it's actually quite easy to repurpose that into a bunch of different tweets and, and shorter pieces of content that people uh, can can engage with. And something that um, also just a little content creation tip that you might appreciate or if people listening create content that makes sense to me, especially as time has gone on for me and my time has gotten shorter. Whereas a couple of years ago, it didn't really bother me if I spent several hours working on a long form article that didn't do as well as I would have hoped. Uh, because I like the process of learning, researching, writing, and inevitably, um, if you have something of a readership, then somebody ends up liking it. But now, with uh, so many different things that I have to to give time to, I it's a little bit frustrating if I put a large amount of time into something that doesn't doesn't do much when I know that I could have put that time into something else that is doing things, right? And so content can be very hit and miss like that. You can write an article that you think is awesome. And if you had to bet a lot of money before you hit publish, you, you would think that this one is going to uh, vastly outperform the average or the median. You know, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this, we've mm-hmm. all experienced it. You do it. And then you're surprised that it just doesn't hit. It doesn't resonate. doesn't get much engagement. doesn't get shared around many comments, blah, 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 whatever. And so something I've started doing, which makes more sense to me is actually starting with testing ideas on social media. So um, places where I get the most interaction with shorter content would be Twitter, Facebook, and then taking the ideas that do well. So I, I track the, the number of engagements that I get with tweets and with Facebook posts. And I have the average and the median um, that just obviously changes as I, as I post more stuff. But then take, take the shorter stuff that has done well and then expand that into a piece of longer form content that I can repurpose now, say it's an article. Now I could record that as a podcast. Don't have to even read it word for word. Obviously I could send that as an email, just as a content email. Now there are different, that's an Instagram caption. And that way I've found that uh, I get a lot more hits, which is more emotionally satisfying to me because of the time that it takes. And you know, this to to create a well-written, well-researched, uh, even if it's only 1500 to 2000 words, right? I mean, that it still takes, it still takes a fair amount of time. And again, when you have a long list of urgent things that you kind of have to do, it can be hard to justify to yourself. Well, I'm just going to carve out, you know, four five, six hours to write this article simply because it sounds like fun to me, unfortunately. And you know, this, as you build your business and as the demands grow, you kind of you don't feel like you have the luxury to, to do that anymore like you once did. Mm-hmm. So um, I know it has nothing to do with the conversation that we're going to have, but I thought you might appreciate that. Yeah, no, I do. And I think it's helpful for people because I think a lot of people, 
repurpose like word for word. And I know, cause I see the different things that you post and I can, I know when, and I follow people, smart business owners, follow other business owners who do this stuff. So I can see when you do that, but it's native to each platform, which is really important, right? It's not literally word for word every single time. And I do a lot of the similar stuff. And, um, another thing you and I have talked about off air that I would throw out there and you actually connected me directly to Neil Patel's team and we've been working with them. Um, for people listening, just the SEO stuff is just like, you know, a good example of putting so much effort into a blog, but if you don't know how to get people to find it, or you don't know how to get people to find your website from Google, man, you just put in so much time for an article and it doesn't really do that well. And I've even had articles written that I thought were amazing, but they didn't get much traction. And then we went back in it with the team and just tweaked a couple little things. And then all of a sudden they're getting tons of people viewing it and reading it and getting value from it, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's another huge tip for people listening. Even if you can't afford to work with somebody like them, um, cause they're not cheap, but go study SEO. It's something that a lot of people forget about because of the Instagram era we are in right now. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, uh, for just, just to, to add, add to that SEO, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do a good job, it's going to cost time or money. So if you have the, if you have the money to, to invest in it, then of course that's going to save time. But if you don't have money to invest in it, then, but if you do have time, then you can get results. Um, you know, just, just, just think about backlinks, for example, what it takes to get backlinks. It takes, it takes a fair investment of, of time. Mm-hmm. If you don't have access to people who have already taken the time to build up a network that, that, uh, is interested in your type of content, right? And so, yeah, neilpatel.com, that's a great resource for learning about SEO. Backlinko, I'm sure you know about uh, Backlinko. That's another great resource for SEO. And um, as far as article writing goes, our strategy that we use over at Legion is, I would say, about 80% of the article writing that me and my team do is uh, driven by SEO by looking for SEO opportunities. And then we do try to go after some topical stuff, even if it doesn't have uh, much SEO potential right now, there are things that people are talking about. And sometimes you can get lucky and get a bunch, get something that um, if it, I mean, goes viral or, mm-hmm. or just, just, just catches on. And then it can, it can actually get a fair amount of SEO traffic too. If what right now is uh, just like a, a topical thing. If that turns into a more evergreen subject, then you can also, you know, get in early, so to speak, and take a take a high ranking. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think it's I think it's hugely valuable, and we we write a lot of our stuff now based on the SEO stuff first. That's kind of where we start, and then we go, okay, like how can we expand this? And obviously, we want to provide value. Otherwise, what's the point of a an article? But um, I think it's a good place to start now. I do, I I could literally, especially because of who you are, I could literally sit here and pick your brain and talk to you about this kind of stuff for the whole hour, but I want to make sure we still touch on like the main thing that we were going to talk about today, uh, since you uh, are just releasing this, but the new book, man. So like now let's kind of shift gears and talk a little bit about that. Tell us what the title is and and kind of give us a little bit of a summary. And then I have some follow-up questions that I think will help the listeners with it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the new book is called muscle for life, which is, uh, a, I mean, that was, that was the name of a website that I really, what did I launch that it was March of 2013. 
And it was basically a glorified blog. I would put up two or three long form articles per week and talk about SEO. At that time, uh, I wasn't doing anything in the way of SEO beyond just producing content that the type of content that I knew Google liked. And it was much easier to rank in Google at that time. So by the end of 2013, uh, that website was getting about 700,000 visits a month, most of them from Google. Uh, that is, um, that I don't even, I don't know if that could be done now, yeah. regardless of what your budget, maybe, maybe, maybe if you came into it with a content team that could, if you could write like 20 articles a day and spend six figures on getting links and do that in like six to eight months, maybe. But at that time it was different. This was before the medic update and all the other updates that made yeah. it so hard to rank. And so, so from there, that became the name of my podcast. When I started a podcast, I was like, eh, I think it's a pretty good name. I'll just go with that. And so now finally I have the book, which I guess it's kind of like when, when artists, when their fourth album or whatever, is just kind of the name of the band or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the, the reason I wrote this book is I, I've worked with many, many people over the years. I've, I've, I mean, my inbox has to be, I have to look, it's probably over 200,000 emails sent and received. And maybe 20% of those are just spam emails, but I have uh, heard from and worked with thousands and thousands of people over the years. In some cases, I'm still emailing intermittently with people who reached out to me seven years ago, eight years ago, which is pretty cool. And one of the the biggest struggles that many people I've heard from over the years, one of the biggest struggles they deal with is, is how to get started in a way that helps them gain enough momentum to reach that kind of virtuous cycle or circle, I guess would be that would be the term phase where you are seeing significant results. You're seeing significant improvements in your body composition and in your performance. And then that motivates you to keep going. And then that, of course, leads to even better results. What many people struggle with is, and particularly people who are in their, let's say, 40s and beyond, they're uh, particularly middle-aged people or golden-aged people, they, they struggle to, to overcome that inertia because many of them often think it's too late to shape up or it's too late to get into great shape. Many of them think maybe they can get a little bit fitter, but they can't really get fit. They could never be, they could never go to the beach uh, with their shirt off or in a bikini and have people look twice like, wow, that's a pretty fit person for, or maybe not even for age, just, wow, that person's really fit. And so um, many of those people, they have turned to my existing books, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger for Men, Thinner, Leaner, Stronger for Women. And of course, they learn a lot of good information. They learn the fundamentals of proper dieting and of proper training. Uh, but they often have questions. They wonder if that's really the best place to start for them. Like on the training side of things, for example, let's say there's a 55-year-old guy or gal who has a lot of weight to lose. They're very overweight. And they're very out of shape and they've done no resistance training whatsoever. Uh, And they rightfully wonder, should I be trying to just jump into like heavy squats and deadlifts and bench presses and overhead presses? Is that okay? And so for many years now, I've had a canned response basically I've put together explaining uh, to people how to work up 
to being able to do that type of training. And not that they even have to train like that per se, but if they want to work up to that type of training, then there needs to be an on-ramp. Um, and that's not, of course, everybody just because of their age. There are many 55-year-olds who jump right into bigger, leaner, stronger and do great. But often they are already in decent shape. They are already doing something for their fitness. They are already doing something to train their muscles. Maybe they're even just a, maybe it's just a weekend warrior type. They go to the gym a couple times per week. Maybe it's, you know, on a Saturday or Sunday and they do some full body circuits. Um, but the point is they are not uh, in the camp of, of the person who I just described previously. And so this new book, Muscle for Life, really, and this, this also answers a, a question I've been getting a lot from a lot of people, it, it is meant to be a gradual on-ramp to the Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, or Thinner, Leaner, Stronger program. So it's meant for men and women. It's not, it's not just for men like Bigger, Leaner, Stronger is, or just for women like Thinner, Leaner, Stronger is, or, or I would say it's not written primarily for men or women. It is gender... Uh, neutral or gender inclusive in that regard. And it has, if we look at the training programs, there are beginner, intermediate and advanced programs for both men and women. And those programs are different. They reflect the physique goals that most men and women have, which are a bit different. And that beginner program is the program that that 55 year old person who needs to lose a lot of weight, who's very out of shape, that is where I would start them if I were training them personally, we are starting with, if we're talking about the resistance training component or the strength training component, we're starting with body weight exercises. Then we add in some bands, then we add in some dumbbells, and then we graduate into the intermediate program once they have gained a certain amount of strength. And then we work in some more dumbbell exercises, now some machines, if they have access to, to machines, if they're in a gym. And uh, we, we, can, we can now introduce a, a hip hinge, like a trap bar deadlift. And then once they have worked on that for a bit, we, work, we graduate to the advanced program. And that is kind of like the, the Muscle for Life advanced program. It's kind of like a light version of, it's like bigger, leaner, stronger, light, or thinner, leaner, stronger, light in the case of the women's. And on the, on the meal planning side of things, of course, I do have to explain a lot of the same theory, um, but I, I, the, nothing is copy and pasted from, from any of the books. Um, Muscle for Life is organized a bit differently. I have uh, rewritten everything and tried to make it even clearer and um, included different analogies and different information just in general, especially information as it relates to middle-aged people and beyond the 40 plus crowd as it relates to aging specifically. And as far as meal planning goes in bigger, leaner, stronger and thin, leaner, stronger, I'm asking people to just jump right in and get very specific with the foods that they're eating. And they, not that you have to, to weigh and measure everything you eat, but it's good to do some of that in the beginning. So you can get an idea of what those portions look like. Whereas in muscle for life, I give people a simple system for portioning their food without having to use the scale or measuring cups or spoons where you can compare to just your hand. So you, if we're talking about uh, lean meat, you compare it to your palm. If you're talking about grains, compare it to the size of your fist. If you're talking about fattier stuff, 
like butter, for example, or, or nut butters compared to the size of your thumb. And that way, when you're, when you're creating a meal plan, what you're, what you're doing is you're just, you're going, okay, cool. So a palm of fish with about a, a fist of rice and, um, uh, maybe nah, it, it depend on the recipe. Let's say you're going to include some, uh, some nuts or something like that. And so it'd be, uh, I think the nuts, it would just be a comparison to your thumb, about a thumb uh, amount of, of nuts. All right, cool. That's my dinner. And you've worked out that that is going to, that, that dinner is going to be in the range of, of, you know, this amount of calories and in, in, in this macros. And so um, really the, the goal with muscle for life is to make, it as newbie friendly as possible and help people again, gain that momentum that is so key in the beginning. Because if I, I know that if I can get, and I know, you know, this, you've probably seen it so many times. If you can get people, what I've seen is if you can get people over that three month hump, like if they can get good results, results that excite them in their first month, then they keep going. And if you can get them to do things mostly right for the first three months, and now they're seeing even more results from there, uh, the chances of them sticking around for the rest of the first year are, are actually quite high in my experience. But if you can't get people over that three month hump, um, then they're probably going to quit. Yeah. I would, I would completely agree with that. Uh, we see that in our coaching with, with this book, you might not have planned it this way, but because you have beyond bigger, leaner, stronger as well, is this kind of like, uh, the complete series now? I know it's the trilogy. Cause it was almost like you made bigger, leaner, stronger. I got to imagine people were like, well, what do you do after that? Like, what's next? How, how yeah. far can I push this? And you're like, okay, well let's do beyond. And then there's people on the opposite side and then you did muscle for life. And now you kind of have this three part series in a way. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, um, it started with bigger, leaner, stronger. I didn't have any master plan then. This was just a book that I wished somebody would have just given me back when I started lifting weights and they would have said, Hey, there's a lot of stuff you can learn. There's a lot of additional stuff you can learn, but here are the fundamentals. Here's the 20% that's going to give you 80% of the muscle and strength you're ever going to gain. Right. So that was bigger, leaner, stronger. And then, uh, just as you mentioned, after a couple of years of bigger, leaner, stronger being out there, people were asking me, what do I do next? Bigger, leaner, stronger has been great. I've gained 20 pounds of muscle, 25 pounds of muscle. I've gotten stronger, but now I'm plateaued. How do I continue making progress? And so that's, that's why I wrote beyond bigger, leaner, stronger, because there, there are quite a few Unfortunately, there, there's not just a canned response email that I can send to really answer that question, right? Uh, because now there are some, some new things that you have to consider on both the diet and the training side of things. And training gets a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more complicated. It doesn't get to the point where it is complicated, but there are, you do need to, to add a few uh, extra levers and buttons uh, to, to get to the finish line as far as your genetic potential for muscle and strength gain goes. And then yes, muscle for life exactly is uh, specifically for people who are not ready for bigger, leaner, stronger, or thinner, leaner, stronger, or who just want something that is a bit less um, uh, time intensive and is a bit uh, more, I guess you could say, 
flexible and uh, and maybe sustainable again for people like for example the the programs in muscle for life the training programs are three days per week uh, in whereas in bigger leaner stronger I give three four and five day per week programs and I do tell people though that you are going to get better results with four days per week versus three and five days per week is going to be even better and so a lot of people um, are they feel like if they're really going to give bigger, leaner, stronger a shot, they should be doing a four or five day program. Uh, whereas again, with muscle for life, given the, the needs that I, I'm trying to meet, I think that three days of strength training per week is plenty. And then you add in some cardiovascular, which really I keep it very simple, but I do recommend that people include some cardio as well. Um, and, and I tell people in the book, like this might be all that you need. This might be the last fitness book that you ever need to read. You might not need to bother with bigger, leaner, stronger beyond bigger, leaner, stronger. Uh, but what I can tell you is if you work your way through these muscle for life programs and you've conquered the advanced program, basically like you've met the final strength standards that, uh, I, I offer people as like milestones to work toward and you want to keep going, uh, you want to see how far you can go. Or if you just like the challenge, you know, some of us, we just get into, it's just fun to work a little bit harder and see if we can make our numbers a little bit better. Um, even if we're not really seeing much of a change in our physique anymore, then by all means move on and in bigger, leaner, stronger, for example, some of it will be kind of a rehash. Like, of course, you're going, you're going to learn about energy balance again. Um, but I've also tried to take care actually so what I did is after I finished Muscle for Life, at least the manuscript, um, after it was submitted to the publisher, and there was a lot of back and forth, but once I didn't have to spend hours every day on it, basically, I, I went back to Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, and I wouldn't say I guess it is kind of a rewrite. So <laughs> I thought it was going to be a, a just an edit because because I made a lot of notes and I and I. In, in creating Muscle for Life, had a lot of ideas of how I could improve bigger, leaner, stronger, especially knowing that people are going to be coming now from this, this uh, more, I would say, Muscle for Life has a, has a much broader appeal because there are many more men and women who are 40 plus who are in, uh, not in good shape at all and who want to get in shape than let's call it 20 to maybe 45 or 50 year old men who are ready to eat and train like lifestyle bodybuilders, which would be more like bigger than you're stronger. Right. So again, in light of, uh, my, my plans for making the book a success, I hope it's a uh, muscle for life is a success that many people are going to do that and then move on to bigger, leaner, stronger and thinner, leaner, stronger. I wanted to make sure that that transition is as smooth as possible. So I then went back through bigger, leaner, stronger and, uh, it was kind of a, a rewrite, I guess. I mean, I, it, it was certainly a, an extensive overhaul, a reorganization of the book. Um, and, and it also gave me a chance to incorporate various improvements that I have been wanting to make. I, I just keep a list of these things. I get a lot of good questions from people and good suggestions. And sometimes I have my own ideas and eventually it makes sense to, to do a new, uh, to do a new edition of the book. And so I have basically what is like a, a fourth edition now of bigger, leaner, stronger and thinner, leaner, stronger that will come out 
that uh, again just reflects, I think, some of the uh, some of the improvements in the organization of the information in Muscle for Life and the presentation. And again, it'll make it'll make the tr the the transition from Muscle for Life into my other books uh, even more um, productive and vice versa. I'm thinking with people who want to make sure that people who have read Bigger, Leaner, Stronger and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger or who do read those books could read Muscle for Life and learn something new and not feel like it was just a rehash of all the same stuff. You know? Hey guys, I want to take a quick second to shout out the sponsor of this podcast, which is myself. It's my own app, The Tailored Trainer, which is the simple solution to actually looking like you lift. My goal with The Tailored Trainer was to do just that. I had countless amount of people coming into our coaching to get nutrition guidance from us, and they needed training help as well. And I was tired of hearing people tell me, I don't look like I lift. I'm in the gym hours every week. I'm training hard. I'm pushing myself. I'm sweating my ass off, but I don't look like I work out. What is the deal? And the deal is simple. There isn't a periodized plan backing up the effort they are putting in the gym. They don't have progressive overload methods and metrics and measurements inside their programming that are going to guide them to the result they're after, which is why I wanted to create an app that did that for you. Not only does it have actually systemized programs that are effective for your goal, for your schedule, for your body type, and for your experience, because there are tons of programs in there. That's why it's called the tailored trainer, because you can literally tailor your training to your lifestyle and your schedule and your experience level. But it's also going to have the software and the metrics inside to make sure that it's progressive and periodized without you even realizing it. You don't have to do anything, and it is programmed properly to get you to progress, which is why I always tell people, stop aimlessly working out using influencers' Instagram posts and YouTube videos as your plan. Start actually tailoring the training process to you, and you can do that by downloading this app. It's less than $1 a day, and you can head over to tailoredtrainer.net to read more about it, see screenshots of the app live itself, see reviews from some of the people using it, and see a personal letter from myself as to why I created this app in the first place. So once again, head over to tailoredtrainer.net. Now, let's get back into the podcast. Yeah, well, it's <clears throat> the books are, are really versatile too because a coach can read it, and even if they know the information, they better understand how to apply and coach that to somebody they're working with, right? Or um, for a lot of people, and, and you kind of started to allude to this, but people who are just beginning who don't want to spend hours, they don't want to be a lifestyle bodybuilder, they're not into this stuff. Um, that's actually how a lot of people start. They usually start with, I need to get healthy, I need to lose weight, I need to do something. I want to get it done as fast as possible with as little stress and as little investment as possible. So if they can buy a book, only do three days a week and spend less time in the gym and not track macros and do all that stuff, they're going to do it. But usually they get addicted to the results. But a lot of times people go through those beginning stages and that's how they get addicted to it. You know, I know that that was it for me. I didn't get into fitness because I loved the gym. I actually hated the gym. I was intimidated by it, but I needed to lose weight because I was just a chubby kid out of high school. And once I started seeing results and girls started looking at me different, then I got really into it. And then next thing I knew I was a lifestyle bodybuilder. So I think the books are, are really, really versatile and applicable to so many people, um, which is why I love them. Now, the question I do have about this one versus the other ones, um, more, more so about the people this is written for, just because I think this is a good question that I get a lot and people get a lot of value from, is the differences between beginners and advanced people. You know, I think it's important to, for people to kind of go with the minimal effective dose rather than jumping yeah. into a high volume program right out the gates. But because beginners can kind of get results from anything, you know, we always hear about newbie gains. So 
what is it? And and we know research has shown that yeah. if beginners if beginners were to get in there and train as hard as as we train when we're really trying to make progress, if beginners get in there and they're doing 15, 16 plus hard sets per major muscle group per week, for example, uh, they are not going to gain much more muscle or strength than if they were doing nine or 10 hard sets per major mm-hmm. muscle group per week. And the, the additional gains might be insignificant, <laughs> which, yeah. which is counterintuitive because in most things in life, the harder we work at something, the better our results. And especially if we are working uh, intelligently and you can work very intelligently in the gym. Like we're talking like your tactics are good. You, you have good exercise selection. You have just good programming, but strategically uh, you you've missed that that additional work actually produces very little additional results, if any at all. Mm-hmm. So do you, what do you think are like the tactical things people can take away from this? If there is beginners listening to it and like, okay, you know, you kind of talked about progressions even with exercise selection in machines versus, you know, don't jump right into the barbell deadlift. Like let's start with some bodyweight movements and then go into a kettlebell deadlift or something like that. Do you think a lot of it is skill-based or are you incorporating differences in volume, intensity? Like what are your, your strategies to give people on this? Yeah, yeah. So I think, and, and also just to quickly answer um, another question that I think it's an important question. So I'll just quickly answer, like to be very specific who I think Muscle for Life, who, I mean, the, here are the people I had in mind when I was, when I was writing this book and, and it helps people really understand, should I do a Muscle for Life program or should I do a bigger, leaner, stronger, or a thin, leaner, stronger program? So I think that uh, Muscle for Life will work best for people who are, let's say in their 40s or 50s or beyond, and they are new or relatively new to strength training. They have never touched a barbell before. Maybe they've done some machines at some point in the past, and they have um, uh, they 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 are not they are not very fit. So Muscle for Life is almost certainly the place to start for those people. Or if somebody has a lot of weight to lose, so let's say 25 percent of their body weight or more, and they are new or relatively new to strength training, then muscle for life is going to be better for them, regardless of their age. Or if you have somebody regardless of their age who wants to start with strength training, but they don't feel ready for heavy barbell work, uh, starting strength, for example, or even bigger, or stronger, or thinner, or stronger is, is daunting to them. Uh, or you have somebody who's fit and they just want to brush up on their fundamentals um, a key to retaining information is, is just repetition. The number of times you go over something, the, the better you are going to retain that information. And of course, the better you can retain information, the better you can apply it and get results. And, and so if they all are also looking for simple ways to improve their diet and training regimens, they will pick up some useful, useful tips and things that they can incorporate in the book. And so, so specifically, I just wanted to, wanted to, I think that's might just be helpful for people to, to hear it very clearly. And yeah. so if they are one of those people, then they know, okay, cool muscle for life. That's going to be for me. Uh, but if you have somebody who is maybe more like us lifestyle bodybuilder, um, they have spent a lot of time learning about this stuff. They, uh, they spend a fair amount of time in the gym. They are doing a lot of heavy strength training and so on then they might find some of the inner game stuff in Muscle for Life interesting uh, because it's not in my other books. 
but otherwise there's there's probably not much in the book for them and and that's fine because in marketing if you try to create a product or service that is supposed to be for everyone mm-hmm. it's probably going to fail specificity yeah. usually wins in marketing and so this book is is very much for some people and very much not for other people yeah and 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 that makes a lot of sense and i would agree with the especially the marketing tip i think especially with writing books um it has to be targeted towards a specific person. So knowing that this is the specific person that we're targeting, what differences for uh, training wise and, and programming are there for beginners versus advanced people? Like what are the main staples that you think need to be clear to people when they're, when a coach is programming, let's say for a beginner client versus somebody who's been in the gym as often as we have? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess there are different ways that we can look at that. Right. But if we look at what would be appropriate. I mentioned volume and there, there are many ways to define volume. You could look at total reps. You could look at total poundage. You could look at total sets. Um, I usually like to define it as the number of hard sets that we're doing. And a hard set would be defined as a, as a set taken close to muscle failure. So think of it as a working set, as opposed to, um, maybe a warm up set or maybe a sub max set where you are using very lightweight, but, um, trying to move very quickly, which, which can be incorporated into programs, but that's a bit more of an advanced principle. Most of us don't need to bother with that. At least most people who are just looking to improve their body composition, they have their warm up sets and they have their hard sets. And uh, what, what research shows is that for the purpose of building muscle and gaining strength, you don't have to go to muscle failure. And it, it might be slightly more effective if, if you do, but it also increases the risk of injury. And that, that would include minor repetitive stress injuries um, and, and more, more major injuries, especially in the case of the big compound lifts. So it's one thing to, to go to absolute failure where you cannot move, you cannot finish a rep like that. That's true failure, right? Um, it's one thing to do that on a biceps curl. It's another thing to, to do that on a squat, on a barbell squat, right? And I would say to people, if you want to do it here and there on the biceps curl, sure, go ahead. It's, it's probably not going to, make a big difference in terms of results versus stopping one or maybe even two reps shy of failure. So if you are getting deeper into your set, it's getting harder. And you're asking yourself, you're just thinking on how many more good reps do I have left? If you stop at the point where you're like, I think I could get one more and that would be it. Then I would fail. That is almost certainly about just as effective as actually going to failure. Um, but if you want to go to failure again on some of those isolation exercises, smaller muscle groups, um, that that's okay. I would basically never recommend that though on a barbell squat or on a deadlift of any kind, whether it is a dumbbell deadlift or a barbell deadlift or any other kind of deadlift. I would not recommend doing that on the bench press. Even you probably could do it here and there. It's okay. But when the weights start getting heavy, training up until failure starts to, um, it really starts to produce a lot of wear and tear on your body. And so coming to your question, there is the volume point. I mentioned somebody new, uh, to resistance training. If, if we're talking about the minimal effective dose and uh, this is uh, this is, this is really like 
it could even be the maximally the maximal effective dose actually because again what research shows is that somewhere around 10 hard sets per major muscle group per week is is going to produce about the maximum amount of muscle hypertrophy that a new person can produce um, can can experience and so what that means is you could take a guy and start him at, on 10 ish it could go up to maybe 12 let's just call let's just call it a range of 9 to 12 hard sets per major muscle group per week you could program that in very different ways there are different splits you could use you could put that together in an upper lower it could be a full body it could be even a body part it could be a push pull legs or some other split but so long as he's getting about 10 ish hard sets per major muscle group per week and you might as well make those direct uh direct volume so you know, if you are bench pressing, it's direct volume for your pecs, indirect for your triceps. And the, I think that, that that's a, that's a valid way to count uh, volume, but when you only have to do 10 sets, and if you're going to get in the gym a few hours per week, you can actually just make all of that volume, uh, more or less direct volume that that guy is going to gain. If he just sticks to it, doesn't have to be perfect. Just, uh, just good enough. Most of the time in the kitchen and in the gym, He's going to gain 15 pounds, maybe 20 pounds of muscle in his first year doing that. And we know that that is, uh, that that's about it. it may, maybe some very, very high responders can gain a bit more than that in their first year of training. But for most guys, that is the maximum amount of muscle that they're going to gain in their first year, regardless of what they do. And for women, it's about half of that, uh, maybe a little bit more than half, maybe about 60%. And so then why why do more than, than you need to do to, to get more or less all of the results that you can potentially get. And so a minimal effective dose in the context of, of that information might be even half of that volume target. I mean, sure, you could start with three hard sets per major muscle group per week if you're new and you are going to make progress. As you mentioned, you almost anything, you are going to see results. Um, and and that's that's also... Uh, that that is a reasonable place to start if you don't have the time or the inclination to get in the gym for three, four, five workouts per week. Let's say you have time for one strength training workout per week. You have one hour that you can give it. Great. Let's do one full body workout per week. And it is going to be, we might even be able to get a bit above the minimal effective dose. Like you will make progress on that. Now there is a point where you will not make progress, um, but that, that's going to take months to get there. And then maybe we can figure out how to, uh, how to break through that plateau. And so the volume that's going to be important. If somebody new is getting a program that is, is uh, much more than about 10 hard sets per major muscle group per week, that's a red flag. The intensity uh, and, and I, I, I went off on a tangent about uh, training close to muscle failure, but I wanted to, I wanted to bring that into um, the, the, the context of, of somebody new. So if somebody new is being told by a coach to train to absolute muscle failure, I would say probably at all, but, but certainly if they're being told to squat to failure, to bench to failure, to overhead press to failure, 
Um, and, and, and I would say even, even why don't we include the, the dumbbell variations of those exercises as well. So any sort of dumbbell squat, any sort of dumbbell press, whether it's a vertical or a horizontal press, any sort of dumbbell hip hinge, like a dumbbell deadlift movement, if they're being told to train to failure, uh, that that's a red flag. Now, if they're being told to never train to failure, uh, that's okay. Uh, again, I, I prefer to tell people what I what I mentioned is uh, let's let's avoid failure absolutely on these exercises. It's okay if you want to train to failure here and there on these exercises. Like if you're doing three sets of that exercise, and on the last set of your your dumbbell side raises or your cable side raises, you want to go to failure. That's okay, but let's not do that on the on these other exercises. And so those are a couple of things. And, and as far as exercise selection goes, this is uh, something that, that you mentioned and, and I, I, you were following on, on my mention that these programs, they progress from body weight to dumbbell and machine to more free weight stuff, barbell, more dumbbell work. And that's because in having worked with, with a lot of people who are a little bit older and who are not maybe the, the athletes that they were when they were in their 20s or even 30s and who are, are not strong right now, especially, especially many women I've worked with over the years, just telling them to, to go start squatting the bar in some cases, uh, like a back, a, a back squat, a barbell back squat that is, is a too high of a learning curve because they actually, what they need to do is they need to start with bodyweight squats. And once they feel comfortable being able to do a few sets of, let's say 15 to 20 bodyweight squats, now they're ready to add some resistance. But before we put a bar on their back, let's start with a goblet squat. Let's start with something that is uh, less technically demanding. Let's build their strength up on that. And then once they have uh, gained a fair amount of strength and, and skill on the goblet squat, now they're ready to put a bar on their back. And there are many people who don't need to go through that progression. They can just go right into the barbell back squat and that's okay. Those people would just progress quickly through uh, that, that process if they were following muscle for life. Cause I give some strength standards basically like if you can't do these things start with the beginner program if you can do these things but you can't do these things then take then then start with the intermediate and if you can do these things then you can just start with the advanced program and so then if a coach is telling somebody who um, again is very new to all of this and cannot comfortably back squat the bar if they're telling them to just gut it out and they keep on trying to coach their technique and it's just not going well and they don't say, okay, let's, let's, let's put the bar down. Let's work on something that is, is a bit less difficult, something that's challenging, but not, uh, not inappropriately challenging, not to the point where they're, they're just taking L's <laughs> where they're becoming demotivated because, they can't even squat the bar, then that would be a red flag as well. And so those are all things that I was, was cognizant of uh, when I was writing the book and, and creating the programs. I think it's great because it's really just, it's simplifying things. And a lot of times people try to go 
to the more advanced strategies because they're sexy or they're cool and they mm-hmm. jump ahead. Um, but realistically, it's like, let's, let's slow down a little bit. And, and breaking down the science of, of the fact that people are going to get results on a scale of experience. So you don't have to put as much time in at the beginning and you're still going to get just as much results. Like that's a really huge uh, benefit to the reader because now they can buy into this minimal effective dose, which is still a maximum adaptive process anyway for them because they're beginners, um, which I love because a lot of this is it's, it's learning and building the habits so you can stay consistent with these basic things. And then eventually, and you will know when you are going to plateau. And at that point, start complicating things a little bit. Um, now for a follow-up question, my last question on the, on the book really is, is young versus old. Like what would be, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on this and I don't know, um, if you're aware of any research, I'm not, cause I just haven't looked into this, but, um, there's certain people who say, you know, like high volume programs are not the way to go. If you're old, even if you're experienced, you know, you don't want to do a lot of reps, it's wear and tear on the joints. And there's other people that are like, no, higher volume is better. You don't want to do super high intensity or load because heavy weights are going to bang up your joints as you get older. Do you have an opinion on this or did did you find out any research while making this to kind of determine like where people should kind of sit when they start aging as far as that goes? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I have a fair amount of experience just firsthand working with, uh, people in their forties and beyond. And what I've found generally is if, if there are joint issues, then you need to watch intensity. Often what people can do is just lighten the loads and uh, increase their their rep ranges they're working in and their joints do a lot better. Now, you do, oft, you do also have to be aware of the increase in volume if using now the definition of total reps that comes with that. So if they were doing, let's say, um, let's just give a number of of 15 hard sets per major muscle group per week. And they were doing a lot of that in, let's say the rep range of, uh, they're doing a lot of fours and sixes and eights, and then maybe a little bit of tens, a little bit of twos. And now they're shifting that to doing no, let's say no, no less than six or eight per, per reps per set. And now uh, uh, they're, they're going up to 12 or even 15 plus uh, reps per set. Then the total hard sets per major muscle group per week might need to come down at least initially, because that is just more, uh, more work that, that your body's doing. But generally speaking, the, the, the more reps is just more fatiguing. It puts more total overall stress on your body. Whereas the higher weight and the lower reps is, is harder on your joints, but it is less taxing on your body as a whole, which also is, is a little bit counterintuitive. Uh, many people think the opposite, actually. They think it's the heavy weights that, that not only beat up your joints, but they beat up your nervous system and they, they beat up everything. And they are, that's, that's just the hardest training to recover from. But research, and I mean, this has been shown in the scientific literature, but it's also been just generally known, especially among natural bodybuilders who don't have PEDs to, to supercharge their recovery, that it's the higher volume training that is hardest to recover from. And so it's hard to give a, a one size fits all answer to that because the individual does matter. 
And ultimately, this is going to come down to recovery. And what we do know is as we get older, our ability to recover generally gets a little bit worse. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't crater, but we generally can recover from more abuse uh, at 20 than at 40 or at 60. But it also depends who we are talking about and what their training history is. So if we have somebody who's been training for 40 years and they have conditioned their body to be able to recover from a fairly high amount, a, fair high, a fairly high amount of volume, then chances are they are going to be able to continue training with uh, quite a bit more volume than somebody who is their age, who has been training a lot. Uh, maybe, you know, they've only been training for a few years and their body is, has, does not have the, the benefit of decades of, of training to, to harden it. Uh, and, and, and to, as you could say, um, kind of optimize the body's muscle building and muscle rebuilding machinery. And so, um, that, that is what I've found. That's what I've found generally. And, and I would say that also applies regardless of age. Again, people who are having real joint issues, for example, with their, with their training often can alleviate them by lightening the load and increasing the reps. Yeah. I mean, that's perfectly said. I, I, I've answered this question countless times and I've dug into it as much as I can. And there's not really, like you said, there's no black and white answer, but it's good for people to understand. Um, I know there's a difference between volume intensity, but true volume from a tonnage perspective, because at a certain point, whether you are leaning on a high intensity or a high volume program, you're still going to have high volume at the end of the day. And that's what you have to recover from. Um, and it's so individually dependent. So I don't think there's any right answer, but, uh, I think the best thing for people to do is, is like in, in turn from listening to us is, to start practice, practicing all these things, but also becoming aware of what you're doing because the more awareness you have, the more you can actually be in tune with how your recovery is. And then you can determine based on what you're doing because you're actually tracking what you're doing and following something, you can determine what's best for you individually. Um, and I've, I've gone through your books, so I know a lot of your books are, are going to explain the individual aspect quite a bit. Um, but man, we're, we're coming up on an hour and I, I feel like we didn't even get to anything but the book, which is actually good because there's a lot to say about this book. Uh, so I'm going to respect your time and we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up here. But first and foremost, where can people find this book? I'm assuming Amazon, but um, let everybody know where they can go to get a copy. It's going to be the beginning of the year as this airs. So it's actually like the perfect time for people to awesome. jump on this book uh, and for this book to come out. But uh, where can people find this book easiest? So uh, you can get it wherever you like to get books, but I would recommend going to muscleforlifebook.com, musclelifebook.com, because from now until, when are we ending it? We're ending it, I want to say on like the 17th or the 18th of January, there is a, a big book launch bonanza that I've, that I've put together, like where, for example, uh, for people who pre-order a copy of the book. And then it, again, this will extend through the first week. The book comes out on January 11th, and then we're going to extend the giveaway through the first week because that first week of sales uh, combined with your pre-orders determines uh, which lists you hit, right? And so if people pre-order a copy or if they order a copy in the first week of its release, then they will be entered to win over, we're over like $13,000 now in stuff that we've collected up from um, various companies. And, and 
we're giving away real stuff, not like PDFs that I say are worth $97. <laughs> like we're giving away, we have a thousand dollar exercise bike from Bowflex. We have uh, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar adjustable dumbbells from smart fit. We have hundred, two hundred dollar kitchen appliances, various things. Uh, we have air fryers and uh, cookware and tableware and all kinds of stuff, um, shoes, different types of workout gear. And you can check it all out at muscleforlifebook.com. And then also there are some additional bonuses that everybody gets for buying one book now or five books now or 10 books. There are some instant access bonuses and some Q and A's that I'm going to be doing with people who buy the book and just trying to make it fun to, to generate as much early activity as I can to try to hit uh, as many lists as I can, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's super cool. So obviously, people can score a hell of a lot more than just a book. So everybody, uh, head over to muscleforlifebook.com. I'll put that in the show notes, uh, description of this podcast. I'm also going to put Mike's podcast as well as his Instagram and uh, legionathletics.com, uh, who this podcast is actually sponsored by, but uh, primarily because there's so much extra content on all those places. So if you're not on his newsletter, if you're not following his Instagram, I'll want to send everybody over there because obviously you're going to be making announcements about this book um, and the giveaway and all that. But also there's just so much free content for people to consume. And if you guys like the book, you'll like his his uh, his free content as well. So Mike, thank you, man, for coming on, for for sending me a copy of the book early, for, for letting me check it out and for sharing it with the listeners today. Yes, yes. And uh, again, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you.